0: Thank you, Miranda. Welcome, everybody. It's Trans Tuesday. Uh, I myself am just coming from bagpipe band practice, so this is my appearance. Uh, trans Tuesday is our favorite night of the week. We are the Sisters of My Feminine Heart, and we are transforming the lives of trans women through sisterhood. I am Danny Butler, and I'm co hosting tonight's book club chat with Miranda Lewis. Miranda and I are both veterans of the United States Marine Corps. She and I were both honored to be included as participants in tonight's book, "With Honor and Integrity: Transgender Troops in Their Own Words," by Lieutenant Colonel Bree Fram, who is also joining us this evening for our discussion.
1: Debris giveaway. Over to Miranda.
2: Debris giveaway. Did she say hello? I wasn't sure. You at least wait so people know who you are. No, you're not. Okay, fine. I'm gonna at least acknowledge those who are with us on Facebook. Uh, Both Beth McKinley uh, and Erica Fremont so far, as far as I can see in chat, are joining us on Facebook. Welcome to the two of you. Um, Thank you, everyone. Um, We're gonna get right down to it. We're we're gonna roll in here, uh, introduce Brie, and open what is always a nice kind of open fireside chatty kind of uh, free space discussion really. Uh, For those of you who are not aware, let's give the whole spiel. Uh, This is where Brie blushes or turns her camera off or or pulls her hood up, I don't know what it is. But Brie Fram, uh, she, her, uh, is an active duty Lieutenant Colonel and Astronautical Engineer in the United States Space Force. She is also the President of SPARTA a nonprofit that advocates and educates about transgender military service and is dedicated to the support and professional development of over 1,400 transgender service members. Lieutenant Colonel Fram is currently assigned to the Pentagon to lead space acquisition policy development for the Department of the Air Force. Prior to recommissioning into the Space Force in 2021, she served 18 years in a wide variety of Air Force positions, including a research and development command position and an oversight role for all Air Force security cooperation activity in Iraq. Brie came out publicly as transgender on the day of the transgender ban in the military was dropped in 2016 and transitioned while in a command position. She served through the re-imposition of the transgender military ban from 2019 to 2021. She's currently one of the highest ranking out transgender officers in the United States military. Bree has appeared on, are you ready? Get your, sharpen your pencils, on ABC and NBC Nightly News, PBS NewsHour, and NPR's All Things Considered, Morning Edition, and 1A. Her writing has been featured in the Washington Post, Military Times, Inkstick, and LGBTQ Nation. She's been a featured speaker on leadership, diversity, and inclusion and LGBTQ topics at Fortune 500 corporations such as Cerner and Ecolab, universities, and military and government organizations. Having spoken with audiences in the UK, Norway, and Israel, Bri is a member of the State Department's US speaker program which collaborates with embassies and consulates around the world to connect foreign audiences with American experts on topics of strategic importance to the United States. We are so excited to discuss
0: her book this evening. Danny? Before we continue, we would love to introduce our fellow sisters in the Zoom. As I call your name, please wave your hand and share. If you are a military veteran or active service member, and which branch you had served in. George. Hello. Uh, I was in the U.S. Navy from
3: '69 to '74.
0: Elaine.
4: I did not serve. Robin. Hi, I didn't serve either.
5: Brandwin. Um, I served in the Navy from 1969
0: to
6: 1974. Staff Sergeant Alaria. I. I am active duty and have been serving in the United States Army since 2003.
7: Amanda? United States Air Force, 1974
0: to 1990. Cindy Miller. I have not
3: served because I don't think they would have wanted me. Pretty
1: sure. Ashley? Yes, I did not serve either, but just proud to be associated with all you fine military veterans.
0: I believe this is a point. We're gonna ask Bree to, I'm sorry, Miranda to make speaker view. Yep, I will do that. First, uh, first I'm gonna recognize a few
2: additional folks on Facebook, uh, Donna Lewin, Liz Tattersall, Uh, Boy, we'll let anybody in here. Uh, Romy Sargon, uh, and of course, Erica and Beth are still with us as well. Uh, I would like to point out, um, for those of you on Facebook, we encourage you to ask questions, share your experience with the book uh, and in service if you served, uh, and I'll be monitoring that and passing those questions on, Uh, okay? So let's make this speaker view so that we can focus on the right folks and roll right into it. Shall we just start with the first opener question, Danny, and ask the audience, were there any sections of the book that especially grabbed you or questions that came up for you that you'd like to ask Bree?
1: Well, I could say, so it's funny. I read this book, so Brie sent me the copy after her after her um, her event at Freddy's, and uh, and so I I just devoured it. Uh, so i it's been a while since I've actually read it now, but it's funny. I went back to it tonight and pulled it up, and there is one sticky note in the whole book, and it's and I highlighted this one paragraph, and I was like, okay, so who who read who wrote this? Who wrote it? Of course, it's Bree section. Yeah, so I was like, all right. So the thing that like really struck a chord with me was this, this section where it said, um, my analogy for why some transgender people need medical care and some don't is that it's somewhat like monitoring cholesterol. If it gets to a certain level, you may decide to treat it. If it gets to a higher level or you have some sort of critical issue like a heart attack, you'd better treat it immediately. Gender is somewhat the same way. There's a threshold to transition. There are many factors that may keep some people back but if they hit that threshold it's time some people are past it before they can even express themselves others not until late in life and some never get there but are still trans none of them are better or more authentic than any other and i highlighted that because i thought that was such a beautiful way of explaining to someone who is not trans the just like in a a way that they may be able to understand um why some people come out, why some people don't and why you know why it becomes like to a point where you're just like, I need to do this and, and whatnot. It's not that I want to. it's like I have to and, and I just I thought it was beautiful. So thank you for that because I've, I've sent that to my mother and some other friends and whatnot so.
8: Well, I'm, I'm glad that resonated with you um, and you know after that introduction that that Miranda gave me I figured I'd start speaking and I'd stumble all over my words because if you say I've spoken to all these audiences I should just come out and say a little bit little, because little, little. Um, that would make perfect sense uh, after that, uh, but I think the stories in the book do contribute so many different things. And it's it's almost like if anything, I could have just come into this discussion with all of you and held that mirror up to Miranda or to Danny and just let them speak to these same things or anyone else who served because all those stories represent people in such unique, different and beautiful ways. And I, I hope that everyone can find something somewhere in those stories, just like that, that they can relate to because it's like that, that resonates with me, that touches, that connects. And if the whole book does that, you know, in one, two, or twenty-six places, it brings that feeling of connection, you know, mission accomplished for what we were trying to do with this book.
2: Well, obviously, thank you, Bree, for that. Are there any other points throughout the book that grabbed anyone?
0: Or brought up any questions? I I would like to point out that it was an honor to be part of this book. And just reading the first few pages, the preface, the history, of uh, military history of transgender service uh, brought me to tears. It's just the beginning of what a book, the book will do to you. That was a great prelude, Brie.
8: Well, thank you. I cannot take all the credit. Uh, This was not my solo effort. Um, And when we introduced the book, um, didn't mention my co-editor, Mel Emser-Herbert, fantastic sociology professor at Hamlin University. Um, And and this book would not have happened without without them. They're the one that reached out to me to say, hey, would you like to do this together? Um, So Truly, you know, there's no word that can be claimed by anyone, uh, but a a beautiful effort that came together uh, between Mel and I and all of you who contributed, uh, really pulled it all together in an amazing way.
1: I mean, in some very weird ways, Uh, just hearing all of the stories, I mean, just the you know, I'm, I'm newly out uh, still less than a year. So like when just reading all of the trials and hardships of everyone that's, that's been in the military and, you know, still in the military going through all this, it was just gut-wrenching in some sense. Like I had to put it down a couple times at night, just like, I can't, I can't handle any more of this, but it was just, it's, you know, you kind of realize that we're all in this together. In that, uh, everybody's got their own journey, but everybody's journey seems to be really hard. So, it was it was wonderful just to kind of get snippets of everybody's journey along the way. Um,
5: I had the fortune of, of working with you at at AFRL when you were stationed there, and so got to know you before you transitioned and as you were transitioning. But there's some I related to so many different things and the different stories, even though I thought of myself as a crossdresser back when I was in the service. And the last thing I wanted to do was anybody to find that out because I probably wouldn't be here today. I probably would have been thrown over the side or something along that, along those lines. So it's, uh, it was easy to relate to the dangers that people put themselves into being trance or trying to serve silently and um, also the th- one thing that you repeatedly stated was that people weren't able to work to their fullest potential because of the prejudice.
8: Well, I think one of the stories you bring up with that is, is Danny's and I would love to hear her take on that because the, the themes you touched on were, were very evident in her piece. um
0: it's very interesting in itself that the book has many different styles and it's interesting to see the different styles incorporated for myself uh, when i wrote my segment i was just coming out also and i was very concerned on what i would put in there Uh, yes i did serve and on active duty, I dressed uh, as, Brandon's term, uh, cross-dressing. I did that the whole time. Um, I wore lingerie under my uniform once I reached uh, uh, an NCO status and th- thought I could get away with it. And in the book, I talk about a couple times where I had close calls uh, on getting caught. There are many other items I could have wrote about in there, but was afraid to because I, I didn't know how the world would take it and I love the segments where people did open up, and in a way, I, I wish I could go back and say some things in there, and include them in there, uh, but, you know, I was in that phase just coming out, and I was being very careful on what I say, uh, because I know it could affect my life later, and so I tried to handle it with humor, you know, my story of, like, uh, when the female master sergeant was, uh, we had the room inspection and junk on the bunk inspection going on. And she found panties in my laundry bag. And I responded back by saying they were victory panties and how everybody laughed. But at that moment, if they only knew how fast my heart was beating and how the sweat was starting to drip down my chest as the anxiety, oh my gosh. And I live like that. the whole time we were in and I I don't know how to go further into that. It was hard. I coped with it. And even now that I'm out, I still like today I had a CWO four that I've been working with uh, because I've worked for the army now 22 years and uh, he misgendered me and I corrected him and he come back and he goes, well, what happened to Dan Butler? Does Dan Butler still work there? And I had to come out to him and, and I handled it the same as all of us do. You know, yes, I was a Marine for 22 years. I've worked for the Army for 22. I have four children, 13 grandchildren, one great-grandchild. I am a ride captain with my local bicycle club, and I play bagpipes with the Greater Richmond Piper, Pipes and Drums. Oh, and I'm transgender. So, yeah, you know, coming out, there's still some people that haven't caught on, and we're letting them know. But his reaction made it, you know, oh, that's okay. Well. Good for you. And I replied back, you know, I'm still here to serve. And they they said, well, we could see that, thank you.
2: I'd like to add, um, taking some of the comments that we've got in Facebook, I wanna welcome Terry Lynn Summers, Marie Lamont, (laughs) um, Tommy Lynn Royer, uh, Hannah Jean Charlebois is with us uh, as well. Um, And uh, there's a comment uh, that Liz Tattersall makes about how she she found the book um, highlighted how unique each individual journey is. And for me, when I read through the book, um, I was so not just impressed, but moved at the balance um, in in the sheer fact of including Captain Duvall's story uh, and his perspective of that that his military service was not happy. This was not a good experience for him. And I was incredibly impressed with the willingness uh, of Mel and Bree to bring that really kind of uniquely counter position into the book. The rest of us may talk about challenges that we had, uh, but that we were um, happy to be serving, that that service was still very important to us, uh, and and that we got a great deal of benefit, um, though there were struggles throughout our effort. Um, I was really, like I said, very impressed with the truly uniqueness of the section uh, from Captain Duvall uh, in terms of just incredibly uh, anti-military um, and in terms of, of his angst and, and challenges uh, there. Uh, I don't know if anybody else actually has read the entire book, uh, but I'm interested what other feedback did we get what what other um impressions did you get in terms of the different perspectives uh, that the different contributors brought
3: Georgette you can go um <clears throat> i guess mine i didn't read the entire book i scanned a lot of them but i was uh a little bit interested in, I think it was in the introductions about a uh, Joanna Clark, uh, only because we were both in the Navy and we kind of came out to the Navy at about the same time. Um, She got out, um, got transitioned and then she went into uh, a a reserve uh, recruiting type of thing which I've, I've read about her quite a bit. <clears throat> and mine also being outed while I was in the Navy. But uh, I can't, uh, there was good and bad in the Navy. Um, I was in the draft era. So probably a little bit different than a lot of others that, were, that came much later that were all, all volunteer service. So your reasoning behind uh, joining was probably different mine was I was not eager to get drafted and go to Vietnam like my brother and I also knew I could get an education in the Navy so I kind of put up with the military that's
5: about it um, in my in my family a lot of us a lot of my brothers have served in the military my father was a Army Air Force veteran, and I had an uncle who was a uh, great great yes, chief master uh, petty officer in the Navy, and um, a cousin who was an officer in, in the Navy, and one that's in the Air Force. So there's a there's a a long tradition in my family of people serving in the armed forces, and and I I enlisted when I was in high school in 1969 my motivation was to was because I couldn't afford college otherwise and uh it just uh i had a great time in the navy but if but if there'd been any hint of of how i was as a person again i uh the ship I was on the, on they they had all sorts of race racial problems and uh i would have hated to think what kind of <laughs> beatings there would have been if they found out that I was uh, cross-dressing or or transgender. Miranda, I
8: I think you bring up a really interesting point by highlighting Tucker's story because we were thrilled that he was willing to share that with us, knowing that there are many more stories like Tucker's out there. Not every experience is a positive one, even in today's military. Uh, for trans folks or for really for anyone, you know, the military is not right uh, for a lot of people. Uh, And a lot of people don't find that out until they're actually in the service. Uh, But highlighting the way that there's no one way to be trans, there's no one way to be trans in the military was one thing the book tried to do. And having that different perspective, I think, was really valuable uh, to the collection as a whole. Um, And what it helped bring out a little bit was this weird place that trans people in the service really uh queer people lgbtq plus folks exist in in the service where there is both ends of the spectrum in the united states and talking the political spectrum that hate us and it's for different reasons uh it's for you're you're queer you're selling out the queer community by joining the military or it's you're, you're queer, you don't belong in my military, my military is only for straight cis folks. Uh, so it's a strange place to be, no matter what community you come from that you may not fit everywhere.
2: Yeah, obviously I, I have to agree with that completely. Um, if you, those of you who are familiar, if you've read the, at least up to my section, um, that and, and how I felt in terms of contributing to this book, I, I almost expected uh, Brie and Mel to come back and say, um, you know, you didn't make the cut um, because I was not out and transgender while serving. Um, as as Brie knows very closely, you know, I only began this journey of discovery literally in my last two years of active duty service and wasn't about to admit it to anyone. Um, And of course, looking further back, I see that in my journey, it was my active duty service predominantly in the Marine Corps that almost forced me or inclined me at least to avoid the self-analysis it required to come to that realization. Um, So again, another, uh, another perspective uh, that is in the book that that is just absolutely fantastic uh in, in terms of of the different perspectives there that that, that come in and, and the um uh, the opportunity for those who have not served but maybe allies who can say wow there's this military perspective of lgbtq service members uh, that I had never thought of um and, and I think it it does a two or three or fourfold service um, to any reader. Again, whether they are trans service member themselves or simply an ally who has never served and just wants to understand what it's like for those who are serving. Um, So I I, I put that out actually as a spark. Uh, Thanks Brie for for bringing that up and starting that one. Um, Was there anyone else out there who um, really had their eyes opened as they read through this? Um, Realizing maybe some of the things that, whether you served or not, um, were were perspectives you'd never considered. And as I like to say in in classes I'm teaching, that's a non-rhetorical question. We're looking for answers there. Anybody get really eye-opening experiences while reading through this? I don't
7: read the books of all the people transition because it hurts too much in a lot of ways. I've got my own story uh, and I'll talk to people one-on-one or in groups, um, it's just that I, uh, I've i actually got the book but I just haven't had the heart to open it.
1: Well, I could say that yes, Miranda, um, it was eye-opening. Uh, there were some of the nuances of the, I mean, I followed the the trans you know the the don't ask don't tell okay trans are welcome okay all of a sudden you're not and it's just like oh my god and but hearing stories of actually being a part of that um you know i was dealing with my crap in my own non-military world but um but but to literally have acceptance and then have it pulled away from you um and like Bree said like you have to in some cases you had to make a decision. Are, are you going to go now? Or are you going to, to not and then not be able to is horrible. It's, that's crap that nobody should have to deal with. And I hope that more people read this book and have their eyes open to that realization. Thanks, Chad. I appreciate that,
2: Ashley, very much. Um, another question from, from chat. Um, I'm gonna point this one to Bree as the uh, Brie and, and um, uh, Staff Sergeant Laria, what advice would you give to a young person, a young trans person who is thinking of joining the military today?
6: You wanna to take that one first?
8: <laughs> sure, I was gonna throw it to you, but I'm happy <laughs> to. Uh, join the military if it's the right thing for you don't join the military if it's the right thing for someone else. Uh, You have to be passionate uh, about why you're serving uh, and that can be for any reason. That can be, as was discussed earlier, to get an education, uh, to learn a skill, uh, to serve your country, to be part of something bigger than yourself. There are a million reasons to join the military and if one fits, go for it, but understand what you're getting into. Uh, Understand that there are constraints. Um, there are sacrifices that need to be made uh, to be part of the military, uh, because it's it's a much bigger organization than any one person. We are certainly moving to a, a construct where we recognize people as individuals. We are no longer all, always you know, just the pegs that fit in the holes that need to be. If it's not related to the mission, there is some individuality allowed, uh, but there are times where you need to be able to shut up and color and get the job done and fit the needs of the country. Um, so just go into it with your eyes open. I think it's the most important thing you can offer to anyone. Uh, go into it because you're passionate about it uh, and do it for yourself.
6: So to add on, the military has, believe it or not, it has room for everyone. Um, And it does require a special dedication because it is hard. And it can be for whatever reason brings you to it, it's got to be enough to carry you through when it does get hard, when you get the duty that you don't like or you're assigned to a place that you really didn't want to go to or you get the deployment orders or any number of things. And it's not like another job where you could say, take this job and shove it. You have to stick it through. and But that's a great thing that it teaches us is how to push through those challenging situations. And in a neat way, it's what helped a lot of people who are trans serve because the military helped give us those skills to push through against the resistance and to, against like, we're always going where we're not wanted. That's what the military does. We storm the beachheads, we drop into the contested zones and we take control of the skies. And so you're gonna learn how to do that. You're gonna learn how to work as a team and that there is nothing that you can do in the military really by yourself and be successful. And you learned that very early on in your training that it, no matter how good you are, you're gonna need someone else to finish. And that's a valuable skill to learn. So make sure that you've got the right reasons to join, whatever it is, whether it's for college or your family history, or you wanna serve your country, or you're wanting to change uh, where you are in life and the military is a great place to get away from it all. That's that's wonderful. And it's gonna be very good for you. And it's gonna be hard. And there's gonna be a lot of suck. But the neat thing about the military is that uh, yes, there's a lot of suck, but there's a whole lot of good rewards too.
2: Thanks for that, uh, for to both of you, absolutely. Uh, and and I couldn't agree, um, Alaria, that abs- that that there's a lot of suck, Whew, there's a whole lot of suck, uh, but yes. The rewards uh, are, are, are immense. Uh, they really are. And um, I think that's probably what allows many of us to push through the struggle, both material uh, that everybody experiences and internal uh, that some of us go through. Um, another question from Facebook, uh, Beth McKinley would like to know, is there any plan to make an audiobook?
8: So that depends on sales. Uh, we would love it uh, if that happens. Uh, the, the challenge with an audiobook told in so many voices is getting permission or getting everyone who was part of it uh, to be part of it again, because people's lives have changed in three years. So what happens if you get 24 of the 26 contributors? Who reads the other pieces? Um, or do you have just a single voice read it? And anytime you're putting together an audiobook, that's additional cost to the production company, and they have to be able to say, is it worth it? And what drives that, unless you know it's a huge thing from a best-selling author? It's sales. So maybe, I hope so, Uh, we would love to get there. Uh, We are excited there will be a paperback uh, later this year, though. So that is saying something that uh, the book is certainly selling, and and we're so happy to, to get that as well.
6: Well, if not an audiobook, hopefully maybe like a Netflix docu series.
5: And we ordered two copies for our library at AFRL in Rome.
2: Seriously, if, if if this were a Netflix docu series, who on earth would you get to play Brie? Really, I didn't think so.
6: Good Brie Fram, as herself. <laughs>
2: Uh, another question from Facebook. Um, uh, Eden would like to know, can a young transgender person join the military? Or are they not ready for that? Yes.
8: Yet. Absolutely, they can. Uh, There are published regulations out there. So there are some requirements in terms of of medical conditions, but just like there are for any other uh, medical history that you'll have to bring up uh, when you choose to enlist or try and seek a commission. Uh, so those are published in Department of Defense instructions. Uh, and if you are interested, by all means, go talk to a recruiter If the military may be in your future. Uh, check out what's out there for you. Uh, speak with them. See what the conditions unique to you are uh, and see if you can make it happen.
2: And a bit of a follow-on question to that, or a branch question, as we might say in military operational planning. Um, Christy Snow would like to know, is there a branch of service and or career fields that are more progressive in their acceptance?
8: So I'll add perhaps a sequel if we're talking branches and sequels, but um, I'll I'll give that sequel to Illyria. I think she might have some good perspective on, on this one.
6: I think that in a lot of ways, as with so much of the military, your individual experience will vary. Uh, You can find people who will brag on their branch no matter which branch it is or whether or not um, which career field within the branch you should go into. And yes, there are better branches. Um, Air Force and Space Force seem to be absolutely fabulous. But that doesn't mean that the other branches aren't accepting, Uh, they're just due to whatever nature of their branch needs. For example, Navy's got special needs because they have ships and they're gone for, uh, for long deployments at a time. So they approach things medically different. Marines are a very small force, so they approach things differently. Every one of them has it as a different challenge for within their force. However, the cool thing is, that the orders are from DOD. So all branches do bring it in and let you do it. Um, If you're looking for easy, the military is not the way to go. None of them are easy. They all will have challenges to them. And that's just fact of life in the military.
2: I, I can't thank you enough, both of you, for actually answering that question. I, I thought that was a kind of a loaded one um, and we and didn't maybe want to go down there, but beautiful answers. Thank you both. Um, I have a raised hand from Cindy Miller. Cindy, you got a question? I do. Yes. So um, I live outside of
3: Tampa. It's a big military area. And so when we first moved into our neighborhood, I realized that like two-thirds of my neighbors are ex-military. At I point, not really knowing anything, I was like, oh, crap, this is going to be tough. And uh, what I found was the opposite. Everybody is so loving and accepting uh, that I built some wonderful friendships. And then it kind of changed my view, I guess, of people in the military. That's um, somebody who's never served. But I'm curious if that happens to be just unique. To where I'm at, or if that's something that you've seen, not necessarily the leadership, but um your average Joe and Joe, are they fairly friendly and accepting or not? I I
5: could I could answer that from my experience in Rome. The the military people in uniform are a lot more accepting than the civilian employees. I, the, the respect that uh, people that are in uniform need to show to everyone else uh, changes attitudes. And uh, they look at individuals. They don't look at necessarily how somebody appears. Thank you, Clement.
8: So I think Aliria has yeah. probably got a yeah. perspective on that, and Miranda, too. Um, if I can jump
6: in there, like any other part of society, you will find the bigots and the hatred. You'll find that. It, you, don't, you don't have to look for anything particular. The neat thing about the military is, like I touched on earlier, you can't do it by yourself. Um, Brie, as wonderful as Brie is and amazing as she is and a genuine rocket engineer, cannot make things happen by herself and needs many other people to support her mission. And that's true no matter what you're doing. And so as a result of that, you quickly learned that you don't care about the person next to you other than, are they able to help me do my job? Are they able to watch my back? And if those two things are good, then you don't care about them. And that kind of bond that transparent bond that we look for in all other parts of society that we strive for as a culture, like that we just embrace everyone, it, you really do get to see it in action in the military. And when it doesn't happen, when you do run into a racist or a sexist or any other bigot type thing, they get kicked to the curb pretty strongly because they don't fit in. And that negativism just drags down the whole unit.
2: and I'll I'll continue that on since Brie so nicely pulled me into that one as well. I would say that for me, I found, I won't say acceptance, but I I found um, a closer individual bond, uh, as Elyria says, the the person on your left or right, um, than I did with the larger organization. in my latter years, um, my family could tell you, I spent an awful lot of days coming home saying, this organization is driving me nuts. Um, the, the literal toxic masculinity uh, of, of what I was experiencing um, was becoming too much for me. Um, now, some of you may look back and go, too much for you, you know, 30 years, when was, when, at what point exactly did it become too much for you? Um, ask the counselor to the defendant. Um, but, <laughs> um, but yes, this, this idea of the institution is not what you're bonding with. Um, the people on your left and right are who you're bonding with. Uh, and so uh, to, to Cindy's uh, observation and question there, um, it does depend, uh, and which is, I know, um, Bree's thinking that's a DAU answer, right? Uh, but it does depend. It depends on what you're looking for, um, quite honestly, because each one of us comes from our own perspective, our own human perspective in whatever it is that we are engaging in or um, or, or seeking or, or undertaking. And so you're going to find what you're looking for where you can find it. Um, and and my experience, uh, not quite as as stark as captain Duvall's um, was also quite negative uh, in terms of being very unhappy with what the organization was doing for me um, just again the, the toxicity of it
3: yes. um,
2: so I hope that hope that helped Cindy um, and uh, thank you for that very deep question quite honestly
8: So. If I could add one more little bit on that and why military folks might be more accepting, particularly depending on on where you live, is, you know what, the vast majority of Americans don't leave home. Still, even in this day of of a lot of mobility and, and availability to go see the world, military folks do. And that gives you a perspective that a lot of the people around you uh, don't have in terms of who you've served with, where you've served, the attitudes and the perceptions that you have picked up. Uh, And you get that little bit wider picture of, you know what, I have to be able to work with other people, people that aren't like me, that aren't from the same town as me from the same background as I am. Um, And the military does a great job of instilling that in people
6: an amazingly difficult question to ask almost any military person who's been in for a little bit. Where are you from? That is surprisingly difficult to answer because it's like, well, do you mean where I grew up? Or do you mean my last duty station or the duty station I'm at now? Uh, what, what do you mean, where am I from? And that is not an easy question to answer. And that's exactly what Breeze talk about. We get out there we move and we go to places that you wouldn't never picture yourself going. And it exposes you to so much different culture and so much different um, societies, both good and bad, good traits and bad. And it also, should you get to go overseas, you really do uh, learn a lot of value of what it means to be an American and just how different things are in other countries.
2: Yeah, I was going to say that my usual answer to that question is yes. Where are you from? Yes, Uh, everywhere. Um, Or as the character in one of my favorite movies would say, where would you like me to be from? But that's a whole nother issue. Uh, So got a question again from Facebook that I'd like to put out um, to the military members uh, who were not contributors to the book but are are with us on Zoom tonight. Um, What would be your first instinctual story to share if you were asked to participate in a book like this, Brandon, it looks like you're thinking. You're just getting ready to unmute. You're just Go ahead.
5: Okay. <laughs> well, I remember a situation when I was in, uh, and this is something I've never told anybody else. Uh, I was in uh, electro- one of the electronic schools in uh, San Diego. And um, getting some advanced training on repairing, and I was uh, actually had uh, essentially uh, quarter deck duty in the school. They always had somebody wandering around, and um, and there was this tent. I, I wandered around, and there was uh, locker room for the uh, for the. Uh, Navy waves, and I was, and I went in there, and uh, I tell you, the temptation was. Oh, <laughs> uh, it, it's kind of funny now, but it, it would have, it would have been the end of my military time if I'd ever been caught doing anything like that, especially there. But um, just the, uh, yeah, that I guess that would be it. Yeah.
2: Thank you for that. Anyone else? Anybody else in the yeah. room? I will. Um, I think mine would be the story
7: of uh, sort of like heartbreak and, and uh, realization of who you are. And then not, especially when I was in, you didn't dare because like I said earlier, in the, it was automatic bad conduct discharge when I was in and the heartbreak that you're going through of your soul being one thing and you can't show that that would be a definite part of what I would relate. And then also when it came, when something happened and it became public to my section commander and I went out the door in nine days, that would be in part, important parts of my story. Um, I loved the military. I served, uh, most of my time was overseas. I was aircraft maintenance. So I was all over the world, temporary duty in that. and. Uh, I enjoyed it, but it was heartbreak going out the door. Thank you.
2: Uh, Georgette, what would your instinctual first response story be if you were a contributor? Um,
3: If it related to the military, I have a few, uh, since I was outed uh, in the military to the Navy. Uh, and I had to go through see an extra psychiatrist, I held a top secret clearance, so I had to go through uh, the federal security questionnaires, and all that. And but at that time, and <clears throat> around 72 73, there was nothing in the UCMJ or any regulations yet, uh, they were mainly interested in a homosexual activity, which mine had nothing to do with that. So, uh, it was kind of like they didn't know what to do with me and it was just kind of like, we'll go back to work and we'll mull it over. And I was uh, at a point where I had like a little over a year left in my uh, contract because I was enlisted for six years because of what I was in. And uh, I got a letter from the chief of naval personnel's office that uh, wanted to know whether I was what my intentions were for the future. Was I going to stay in the military or was I going to get out? And I had no intention to stay in. I was only going to, like I say, I was in for the education and I was going to be gone. And so uh, I did get a years early out because of it, <clears throat> because uh, it, it did interfere with things because I was eligible for E6, but I couldn't accept it because I didn't, wouldn't have enough time to accept it. I think you had to have a years left in your enlistment to be able to take it, um, like I guess it I can say, other than this Joanna Clark, I have not come across anybody else that didn't get a bad discharge out of it. Thank you.
2: Yeah, Um, that's a a really good point. And for those, if anybody listening who's not aware, as Georgette used the, uh, the acronym UCMJ, that's the Uniform Code of Military Justice, which is essentially the law for military members, uh, very similar to the law that every civilian uh, has to adhere to, but a little bit different, uh, especially in a few personal areas. So, but again, thank you for that. Uh, Elaine, I saw your hand trying to go up. Um, Elaine, do you have uh, an, an instinctual story that you would have shared had you been asked to contribute on this book?
4: No, but could you, uh, could I speak to something else after this is over? Absolutely. I, 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 In I, I, fact, I, that's a great pivot. What do you got, Elaine? Talk to us. Well, I just, uh, I don't want to be able to thank Bree uh, on a one-on-one that thanking him for his speech at the luncheon at Keystone. Uh, I must say uh, his background uh, with family And his love for his country is much like mine when I was growing up with a father in World War II, brother in Korea War, uh, another brother in in the pay of pigs. So I I was raised as a patriot and as an American as he was. However, the story and his speech at the luncheon at Keystone just blew me away. Uh, He is a, she is a very, great public speaker. And as she was speaking, I was there in her place. She went, excuse the, uh, uh, the uh, expression, shit to Shinola and Shinola to shit. I mean, how could someone be dedicated to his country and service and outstanding records? And, and one day, be allowed to express how and how he feels, what he is and what he feels. And not long after, your whole world, your past, your present and future could be taken away. And it just blew me away. And I gotta tell you, Brie, it wasn't in the 20 minutes or 25 minutes and I, I was right next to Brown Bronwyn, I was across from uh, Ashley. I gotta tell you, uh, there wasn't uh, too many moments that I had a dry eye. And I gotta tell you, you, you gave the best public speech that I have ever heard. And trust me, with my age, I've heard a lot. But you stand above everybody else, and your speech and your message goes beyond us trans you you uh, resonate to everyone. And thank you so much.
8: Well, thank you. It's, it's wonderful to hear that. And, and it's just, it's an honor to be uh, a representative of so many people that have done so many amazing things because we all have stories to tell. I just happen to have had a lot of practice telling mine.
6: <laughs> and that's one of the, again, Another great example of the representation of it all is that um, just as surely as you only hear so many heroism stories or uh, you know the people who are awarded medals for this or that, there's so many also stories of everyday heroism and Brie represents well the 1600 who had, you know, had come out in good faith and openly. And then we're wondering, it's like, do they still have a job? What happens next? What is the next thing? And there there are so many great stories and Brie is wonderful at telling it. And that is a blessing that we have is that Brie is able to um, verbalize what the, the fear, the terror that went through a lot of people. It was like, now what? Um, when they go into work in the morning, do they have a job? Are they about to be walked out the door in the nine days, as alluded to earlier? What comes next? And the great the great part of it all is that now that we're into many thousands who are serving, and it's been worth it. And very appreciative to Bree and her example and all the others who've served and served through it and it's what you do in the military.
2: Very well put, um, very well put indeed. In, in um, Beth McKinley asks um, a, a really what I think is a great segue question. Um, and she asks, how can civilians best support our LGBTQ plus service persons? and follow up with how do you need us to show up for you? So again, I, I put that out predominantly to our two active duty service members on tonight, but anybody um, who maybe has a, a perspective of what they would have liked to have seen. Uh, how can civilians best support our LGBTQ plus service members?
8: Well, I think there are a couple different ways to go about this. One, share our stories. Uh, Because it is our stories that humanize us and that make those connections uh, that make people realize that we're human too. We're serving for all the same reasons. Uh, We're doing good things for this country. So if you can share our stories in any way that is, whether that's social media, tell them to tell folks to buy and read the book, that's great. Whatever it is, just share our stories because that makes a huge difference. Two other things call and write your legislators. Ask them to support LGBTQ service members. Um, And particularly, uh, you know, for this audience, trans troops, because there is still no law in place uh, that guarantees us the opportunity to serve, because a future administration can flip the switch uh, and turn that back. So express your support for continued open service, regardless of sexuality or gender identity, to your lawmakers. Uh, Last, if able, uh, donate to causes that are supporting those issues uh, because many of the advocates and organizations that do this kind of work operate on shoestring budgets with volunteers, and every dollar counts and it makes a difference. So, to any of the big organizations too that are working this, your time, your money, your volunteerism all makes a difference. So, look for those human rights type organizations or LGBTQ military specific organizations, and if able, Send a few dollars their way.
6: I'm I'm battling a cat here that's wanting to participate. Um, Come here. All right. So, uh, as Brie said, elections matter. That's huge. Um, Your vote matters. It matters big time, Um, locally, congressionally, presidentially. As she said, each administration can change it, we can flip-flop back again, and we need all the support that we can get. So contact your congresspersons, let them know, because uh, not only is trans service still a topic open for debate, but trans healthcare is something about whether or not there will be funding for it. And there are um, definite congresspersons who work every year to try to eliminate trans funding from the defense budget uh, for healthcare. The best thing that I think you can do is when you hear people denigrate trans people or trans people in the military specifically, um, stop it, speak up and say, no, that's not right. Or when they say, I don't know of any trans people who served in the military, well, look at the screen. Um, and this is just a small fraction. And the, the best thing that I always say is that that you know of, because so many people don't don't tell um, that they're trans while they're serving or that they used to be. It's just not part of the story that they tell, but they are there and they're serving and they're serving in vital places. And so when someone says, nah, trans people shouldn't be, serving in the military, they're just a problem. Or as it was once notoriously tweeted that they would be a burden upon the military. Um, Yeah, no, we're not a burden, we're a value. We're an added um, dimension to the lethality of the military is our diversity. And
2: I I, I think Another aspect, perhaps, to point out is that it is not just LGBTQ plus as well, um, and I say that in in an effort to uh, expand the presentation. If you are presented with that kind of question, you know, or or statement, um, when it comes to diversity and inclusion across the board, um, this idea that only a certain mold of individual should be serving um, tends to come from people who haven't served, who don't know uh, or haven't been in combat, haven't served in the most stressful situations. Um, I think it's very important to be able to point out to people uh, that you know the, um, the little kid who doesn't look like a linebacker um, was amazingly useful when we needed to get him through a window into a building, um, you, you know? Uh, or or the person that you may have had a problem with because um, he, he was a green carded resident alien, but happened to speak Arabic. Well, he became real useful around 2004, didn't he? Um, the, again, it, it's more than just LGBTQ+. Um, and I think that perspective may help some people open their aperture um, and and get out of their their tunnel vision to realize that it really is um, diversity and inclusion as a whole. um, Before you get to the, the much more deep conversation of, and when you've got someone who's dedicated but happens to be transgender, you're only gonna make them more effective by treating, They're being transgender accordingly, allowing them to transition, or whatever the case may be. Um, And and I think that's something that um, uh, that can be uh, it can be uh, you can help that conversation by maybe showing other perspectives of of that diversity that uh, that is so um, so important. Um, So we have a tendency here. (laughs) <laughs> to go long um, uh, and not in a Hail Mary way, uh, but more kind of in a, uh, no, let's get the half gallon of ice cream instead of the pint uh, go long uh, around here. Um, but I do have to be respectful uh, of, uh, of the star of the show and, and her timeline. Uh, and so uh, though we do typically end up going as late as really, I think we've gone as late as quarter to 10 before, um, I do want to ask for any closing comments or questions. Is there anything out there? Uh, I don't see any hands raised in the Zoom. I don't see any additional questions uh, in Facebook. Is there any closing comments or remarks? Uh, Amanda, I see your hand up. Um, yeah,
7: I'll just get ready to put it in chat because I work a lot with Trans Lifeline and suicide prevention. Have a list of those numbers. I actually carry a, a card with me that I hand out that if someone you know isn't stressed or is trying to get, get information and you feel you're not qualified to do that, have this information on hand to give people for a place of reference, uh, especially for our, I just uh, retired from the school system as of last Thursday and I helped, well, uh, some, some information to students in that. That is everything we're talking about. That is just as yes, important right now, the suicide, among trans people is above 50%. And so please, if anybody needs that information, let me know, I'll be glad to give it out.
2: Yeah, that's, a, that's actually a great point. Um, a whole nother way to be there um, for our LGBTQ plus uh, service members, uh, fantastic. Anyone else, any other closing comments? Again, I'm watching, Facebook
5: questions as well, just in just, case. Just that uh, the percentage of people that are transgender that have served in the military is two or three times what it is, or more than what for the general population. And that goes, and that's generally the case for any minority group, but especially trans and LGBTQ plus.
2: And that's uh, that's actually a very good point. That could be a whole nother conversation. I think an entire uh, Trans Tuesday on its own. You know, why do why do so many of us choose to go into the service, uh, especially those of us who go in uh, or who have gone in uh, knowingly? So, with that, uh, with that, I'm going to turn it over uh, to Danny. Um, Danny, I hope you're still there. I don't even see you anymore because, of course. We're in speaker view. Um, so I'm going to switch over to gallery now for everyone. Uh, Danny is still there. There you are. I,
0: I am. Um, with the closing, I, I do want to mention at uh, Keystone and Colonel Fram's comments as, as she went through her history, uh, there was not a dry eye. Um, and I know many of the sisters here tonight, i seen them during the presentation. And I think Miranda and I, I know we can reflect because the day that the transgender ban was reinstated, uh, we were with Bree, And we were in a coming out phase where I think we were both kind of nervous about it. But uh, Miranda, she, she helped me get out there. And we, we tried to stand up to show that, hey, there's more of us out there. And there was so many comments and, uh, and Alistair, oh gosh, I remember seeing her afterwards. Really, it was a beautiful speech. I'd like to thank all our sisters in the Zoom and online, especially Colonel Fram. Uh, thank you, Colonel Fram. It's great to have you join our discussion. You're a beautiful officer. Uh, coming up next week on Trans Tuesday, we have an episode only available to our club members. As Barbara Van Horn becomes uh, she's going to take the sister center stage and share with us her incredible hobbies and interests uh, that she enjoys and wants to share with us from sewing woodworking music and more. If you are one of our club members, you can join us in our private Facebook group next Tuesday for this special event. We're not just about Tuesday nights we are continuing to add to our sister Saturday also. On April 16th, uh, Saturday morning at 11 a.m., the Creative Sisters of My Family Heart will gather to share their love of creation and their inspirations for all the incredibly talented things our members design, from poetry to plays, woodworking to crafts. If you have a creative heart, who doesn't? Come on. Join your sisters for a Club Member Only Zoom (laughs) on Saturday the 16th at 11 a.m.
2: Awesome, and the following Tuesday, April 19th, we have a private Zoom social for just our club members called Sister Tips. We're asking all our sisters to bring one to two, one or two of their secret tips, tricks, or life hacks they've learned along the way, which may have to do with their being a trans woman or may not at all. We are ready to learn and share everything from how to do the perfect hairstyle to how to fix your car. Uh, this is also a club member-only Zoom event. It will not be streamed or recorded. So if you're not a club member, you will miss out on some great information. Plug, plug for joining. Uh, and we'll be returning to another live recording of Trans Tuesday, uh, but streamed only to our private Facebook group with the newest styling star to hit the keystone scene, Miss Cher Vienne. I'm sure I messed that name up, but she taught two classes at Keystone. Undergarments are a girl's best friend and sophisticated styling for plus sizes. She is a certified bra fit specialist from Lane Bryant and will be sharing her expert advice with us on Tuesday, April 26th. She is inviting club members to join her in the Zoom to discuss all their burning undergarment questions and will help us ladies finally find the perfect bra size. Again, this is part of the My Feminine Heart signature series for club members only. If you ever wanted to join us and you were just given four great reasons this month alone that show the benefits of being a club member of My Feminine Heart. Here's another reason. The price is about to go up. So if you want to join, locked in for the low price of only $12 a month, Now is your chance. Sisters, thank you all for joining us. Amanda, did you have another? No, you weren't, you were just waving at me. And and back at you. good girl. Uh, Thank you all for joining us this evening. If you ever wanna know what's coming up for My Feminine Heart, uh, check out the website, www.myfeminineheart.com to see our upcoming schedule. Thank you once again to our dear friend, Lieutenant Colonel Bree Fram. It has been a pleasure. To discuss your book with you. Have a great night and we love you
0: all. Our prayers are you. with you, Colonel Fram. Yeah. Staff and Alistair. Thank you. You're doing a great job. Uh-huh. Thank you for your service.
5: Thank you, everybody.
1: Never miss a single podcast by signing up for our newsletter at myfeminineheart.com.